welcome to Wealth Radio on News Radio KLBJ with author and wealth manager Chris Herline. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Chris Herline. Well, good day, everybody. Chris Herline here of Refinancial and host of Wealth Radio right here on News Radio KLBJ. Great to be with so many of you. Phone lines just opened up. Tate is running the program today on the other side of the console. Dial in right now, 512-836-0590 with all of your retirement questions. It could be Social Security, it could be taxes, Medicare, investment planning, income planning, and more. You know, we've been on this program now 10 years on KLBJ, and we've had a really unique pleasure of meeting so many families through this program, through this outlet. And so I want to encourage you, for those of you that maybe weren't tuning in 10 years ago, but you're tuning in today, we are going to cover today some of the top strategies that the most successful pre- and post-retirees utilize throughout the years. And many of these things I discuss are the same exact concepts, strategies that we implement with our successful families at REAP Financial. Now, as I'm going through this today, again, your questions can drive the agenda. Join me now, 512-836-0590. we got a whole hour together today. I am live in studio, and I want to dive right in. You know, the, the thing that I've talked about for years with families is that I want you to save. I want you to accumulate wealth. I want you to protect your wealth. And all of that said, I want you to be poor on paper. Poor on paper. What do I mean by poor on paper? Well, I'm not talking about your balance sheet. I'm not talking about your investment statement. I'm not talking about your social security statement. Anybody guess what I'm talking about? The paper I'm talking about pops up around April of each year. For business owners, maybe September, October. This paper is called a 1040. It's your tax return. We want you poor on paper. We really do, because the way so many laws in this country, right here in the great United States, that the way that the laws are written, for the most part, are around your net worth. Okay? Well, you think about net worth, well, what about the income? The income is also a huge factor. Because your income is reported every single year on your 1040. But hold on a second. Do you have to report your net worth to the government every single year? In most cases, absolutely not. Your income is what dictates your Medicare premiums. Your income is what's going to dictate how much capital gains tax you pay when you sell stocks or sell a home. Your income is going to dictate how much of your Social Security is going back to the government. Your income is going to dictate your tax bracket. You see where I'm going? The list, I could keep, I could literally keep rapping. But here's the thing. The most successful retirees in this country, they have woken up to this. And they realize that when you retire, you can have more control over your taxes than any time in your life if, if, this is a big if, 
if you've planned accordingly. Why? Because it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by saving in a manner that has a very, very proactive view, very long-term view. I've said it for years, and I'm going to say it today. Where you're saving your money today could be just as important as how much you're saving. The reason I say that is because when you accumulate wealth, some of this wealth may be growing in the background, not reportable, right? Like, think about your investments right now. Where is the bulk of that money? Is it in a 401k? Is it in an IRA, a SEP IRA? See, these things, they grow tax deferred. You don't have to report income or gains in those type of accounts throughout the year. And you put money in these accounts every year because obviously you want to save for your retirement future, but you also like tax deductions. And so when we save in IRAs and 401ks and 403bs and 457s, typically you are going to get a nice tax deduction through the year. But could taxes be, uh, be higher in the future? Could they go up? If you look at history, chances are they, they probably will, considering that taxes are at 40-year lows right now in this country. So as you accumulate wealth, you need to be thinking about how you're going to get that wealth, that income, out down the road when the paycheck stops. And if tax rates are higher in the future, well, that may cause a problem. A problem that could have been possibly avoided. The thing about tax deductions today is that when you get that tax deduction, you're getting it on the number that goes into that account. But as that number, whether it's 7,000 a year or 30,000 a year that you're putting in the 401k, that number is the smaller number as compared to what the aggregate number will be on that account in 10, 20, 30 years. And so the picture I just painted is this. Your 30,000 a year is going to the 401k and now fast forward and now we've got 3 million in the 401k or a million five. And that money's never been taxed. And the thing about IRAs, 401ks, these traditional accounts that most of us use is that, well, think about it. It's a one-sided relationship because Uncle Sam can change tax rates anytime, anytime on when you're pulling that money out, when you must pull it out down the road because you don't have a paycheck anymore and you have required distributions on these type of accounts typically where you're forced to pull money out even if you don't want it. So the most successful retirees that we retire year over year have this proactive look at what their income is today and what their income could be down the road. 
Now, don't plan on raising tax rates in your personal planning. Like, we can adjust those year over year. But at the same time, if you're like me, and you believe tax rates could be higher in the future, then why are you putting all your money in accounts that potentially will be taxed at higher rates down the road? There are retirement accounts that you can be funding and get tax deferral. You may not get a tax deduction on the front, but you're not going to pay tax on it along the way as it's growing. And these particular accounts allow you to get the money out tax-free down the road. So you don't get the deduction on the small number that you put in year over year, but you're going to get tax-free growth in return on the bigger number. The seed versus the harvest. And everybody wants to pay tax typically on the seed, but when you front load and put all your wealth into these pre-tax accounts, you're inadvertently setting yourself up to be taxed on the bigger number. Now, don't get me wrong. I like IRAs, 401ks. But in today's landscape, there's a lot of different options. You've got Roth SEP IRAs today under the Secure Act 2.0 that just passed. You, you have Roth 401ks potentially at work. There's health savings accounts. And Roth IRAs, these are the type of accounts that can grow, accumulate, and be received tax-free. And you disinherit Uncle Sam when you save in these accounts because you're not forced to pull money out of them come retirement. So we're just scratching the surface today on how to get poor on paper. 512-836-0590. I'm live in studio today. You can join me. And I want to encourage you, if you like the, the sound of these Roth accounts, I want you to get your hands on our 2023 version of our Roth report. We'll send it to you at no cost for all of our KLBJ listeners. Email me right now, chris at wealthradio.com. That's chris at wealthradio.com. My team will have it on its way to your inbox come Monday. Dial in right now, 512-836-0590. We're going to take a quick break. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show. Go to WealthRadio.com and subscribe to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to Wealth Radio on News Radio KLBJ with Chris Herline. Welcome back, Chris Herline. I am live in studio today. Chris Herline of Reap Financial. And glad to have you join us here. Um, dial in now with all your questions. You can text or dial in 512-836-0590, whether it's IRAs or 401k, social security, income planning, investments, and more. Excited to take your calls today. Um, you know, when I look at the most successful retirees and pre-retirees out there, it doesn't just have to do with their net worth. It doesn't just have to do with the lifestyle that they want to maintain. It doesn't just have to do with the family and the legacy that they built and want to see live beyond them. One of the most powerful ways to protect your wealth in retirement is to be poor on paper. I want millions in the bank, but I want you to control your income 
in retirement. Does that sound kind of contrary? Because I'm telling you right now, most people don't understand that your income is what dictates your Medicare premiums. Your income is going to dictate how much you potentially pay in capital gains tax when you buy and sell houses or you sell off investments. Your Medicare, or excuse me, your Social Security. Well, that's dictated by your income while you're working, but how much tax, how much money you're going to get back at that Social Security in retirement is dictated by your income and so many other things. And so when I talk about being poor on paper, like I said in our first segment, it's not about the, the balance sheet being low. It's about it being big, but you having control of the assets. The 1040, your tax return, is the paper I'm talking about today. So that being said, let's start with the things that are dictated by your income in retirement. You'd be shocked to really know and see the numbers we see every week in the office. There are families that come through REAP Financial and they've done a great job of saving, but they don't know how to withdraw money in a way that they're not going to overpay in taxes. They, they want to ensure their money's going to last as long as they do. They want to bring every nickel out of Social Security. They, they want to know what Medicare they should elect and, and begin receiving. And the thing is about Medicare is it's very comprehensive. When you're 65 and, and you retire, you get on Medicare, it's very comprehensive and, and it can be pretty affordable when you compare it to COBRA or Obamacare or many other health care plans out there. But see, the families we consult with, they've generally done the hard work. They've, they've saved. They've got a nice nest egg. And many times they've never given thought to the idea that their Medicare premium that's going to come out of their Social Security check, that premium's dictated by your income and your capital gains. And so there's families that initially, when we start running these analysis for them, they are shocked to see that they could pay hundreds of thousands of dollars more, hundreds of thousands of dollars more, I said that, in Medicare over their retirement than their coworker or their next door neighbor. Why? Because they've got a nice nest egg. They've done a good job of saving. As a single filer, when your income goes over $97,000, that's when the Medicare premium starts increasing. There's many different tiers and it just keeps going up and up and up. There are families that are likely tuning in right now. You know what I'm talking about. You, you may be paying $600 plus per month per person for the same Medicare coverage that your neighbor's getting for $300 plus a month. You may be paying $525 while your neighbor's paying $300 a month. And, and I know that's only a couple hundred dollars difference. But you do that over 20, 30, 35 years of retirement? That's where I'm coming up with this hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars more. 
If you're married, we've got to keep the income under $194,000. Keep it under that, you're at the base. Okay? But see, the thing is about the base is that sounds nice. Sounds nice to stay there. And you may go, Chris, I, there's no way. I'm, I'm not going to make over $194,000. I don't need that to maintain my standard of living. If you're single, I don't need more than $97,000. You may not. But let's talk about some situations where you just may. The first one is when you retire. You may have a nice income. And if you retire, let's say mid-year, and you're going to get on Medicare that year because you're leaving the employer health care plan, well, the government doesn't know you retired. You're going to file taxes the following year, and then they're going to base your Medicare premium on your income, whatever's reported. Well, there's one little known strategy. For those, that are you, uh, those of you that are retiring, you need to consider what's called the SSA form. SA is, it's the SSA 44 form, to be exact. And this is something you would file along with your taxes, and it indicates that you had a high income in the year that you elected to get on Medicare. And the reason you had a high income is because you were working, but you decided to retire that year. There's eight qualifiers on this SSA 44 form. One of them is called work stoppage. Love that. Work stoppage. Retirement. And so in that case, that can help you get around that increase in Medicare premiums as you're walking into retirement. Very few even CPAs that I've consulted with over the years have, have known about that. And it's, it's something you could appeal, but, you know, that's a process. This is proactive planning. Okay, so that's the first thing that could have you over these income limits that I'm talking about. The second thing is I can't tell you how many people are selling homes right now, our clients. They want to move closer to their kids, grandkids. They just don't like the hustle and bustle of how big Austin's gotten. Maybe, maybe they got their house paid off and the, you know, their, their property taxes are 25 grand. It's like having a mortgage. They're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't have kids in school, right? So you sell a house that you bought years ago. It's highly appreciated. Capital gains count towards these thresholds. So if you sell a house and you're over the exemption limit, 250000 for a single, 500000 for a married couple, that gain will count towards your income in that given year. Can't tell you how many people, this is like big surprise. This is why I tell all of our clients at Reap Financial, if you have any financial decision to make, if you've got a sell of a house or a boat, purchase of anything, consult with us because it's the behind the scenes stuff, these stealth taxes that can kind of cut you up with you. And they could have been avoided in many cases. But when we look at selling appreciated assets, it could be a house. You may have to exercise company stock. When you sell, or sorry, when you retire, you may have to liquidate stocks in your investment brokerage accounts throughout the year um, to, to maintain your standard, to raise cash for your budget. Oh, yeah. We talk a lot about Roth conversion with our families. We do a lot of that. But Roth conversions can count towards the income and spike your Medicare premium. So there's all of these little landmines that so many retirees don't consider that can make your Medicare premium go up. 
Now, let me propagate a little hope here. It's not irrevocable. Okay, so if you have a large income year, it doesn't mean that your Medicare will stay like that forever. You're going to go through another tax cycle. And if we get the income below those thresholds I've been talking about today, then, then your Medicare premiums, in most cases, will come back down to reality. But here is the one situation where it gets really hard to revert back to those more affordable premiums. You ready for it? Anybody guess? It's required distributions, okay? 73 years of age, 75, you have to pull money out of IRA's 401ks. And for a lot of you that have a, a nice nest egg in these type of accounts, that RMD can be sizable. And the issue is, is that you're forced to take it out. It counts as income on the bottom line. And you have to do it every year. And that RMD typically is going to go up every year. So it may not push you above the income limits year one, but what happens five years out or 10 years out? This is what we analyze every day in our office at Reap Financial for successful families just like you. So Medicare is one of the big ones and one of the core reasons that we want you poor on paper. I've got a great new report as we walk into the back end of the year here. It's called our Tax Explorer Report. And I want you to get your hands on it at no cost. Email me, chris at wealthradio.com. Chris at wealthradio.com. Love to get that to your inbox enlighten you a bit more around the things we're talking about today and a lot more. You can join me, 512-836-0590. We've had a couple texts come in. I'll get to those on the other side of the break. I'm Chris Herline. This is Wealth Radio, 1130. We're going to take a quick news break. Live, local, and independent. This is WealthRadio.com with Chris Herline. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, back to Chris. Welcome back. It's 1134 this beautiful Saturday. Live in studio with you, Chris Herline of Reap Financial. Join me right now, 512-836-0590 with all your retirement investment questions. We had a couple come in here I want to address before we get back into our topic today. Um, I'm 61 years old. What percentage of my 401k should be a Roth? Um, well, let's see. When it comes to Roth, you got to make a decision each year because when you put money in the Roth 401k, you, you will not get a tax deduction that many of you are used to getting on a 401k. Um, on the other side of the coin, you're going to get tax-free growth and tax-free income out of that count down the road when you need it most in retirement. So the first place to start with your question there, that, that how much should it be in a Roth 401k is ask yourself, how much Roth do you have at the moment? And I challenge all of our listeners. I mean, if you have a Roth, isn't it not the smallest account that you have? Maybe not everybody, but, but think about it. Think about it right now, everybody listening. If you have a Roth, it's likely one of the smaller accounts you have, right? There's reasons for that. Maybe you, you weren't aware of why we suggest Roth, and so you started a little later. 
Um, you may feel like you make too much money. Um, there's some income limits around Roth. When it comes to the Roth 401k, there's, there's not any income limits. Be aware of that. Um, the, the core reason that it's generally the smallest account that you have is because our financial religion is to not pay tax. And so we like tax deductions, so we put it in the 401k. So start with how much of your overall net worth is in Roth. Okay. Now, the nice thing about Roth 401ks is that you don't have to go all in and do 100% Roth. You could do 50% of whatever your contribution is to the traditional portion. You could do 50% to the Roth portion. So you could still pick up some tax deduction. And the reason I, I, I make that point is because depending on your income in your tax bracket that you're in, it may make sense to blend it. So you can pick up some tax deductions. But if you're in a low tax bracket today, and taxes are at 40-year lows today, why are you so worried about a tax deduction today when that money could all be tax-free down the road when taxes could be much higher than they are today? So start by looking at how much of your net worth is Roth. Start by looking at what your income tax bracket is in your working years here. And then to take it a step further, if you're within 10 years of retirement, you need to start planning on how you're going to get income out of these accounts, how you're going to design your wealth to generate the income you need to break a sweat, to give you the income you need to maintain your standard of living in retirement. Like, if you're within 5 to 10 years, you must be proactive in this. This is what we do every day at Reap Financial with families just like you. We can show you the course that you're on, give you a snapshot of exactly where you're at. And if you make no changes, where you're going to land. And are you in danger of running out of money? Are you in danger of not spending enough money because you're scared to spend? We want you spending confidently in retirement. Are you in a position where you know, you should take Social Security early. Are you saving in a way right now that's going to generate monster RMDs for you down the road and create big tax bombs? Are you in a, a position where you're going to pay more in your Medicare? See, see how all this intertwines? And this is just all coming from a simple question as to how much of my 401k should be Roth. It, it, it's different for every single person. So it's not a magic percentage, 60, 40, 30, 70. It doesn't work like that. A lot of it has to do with the lifestyle you have today and likely want to maintain or even increase in retirement, right? That can be a factor in how much you should be putting in Roth. But if, if you're not in the Roth game in your savings plan, I challenge you to at least do some research as to how it can give you the control and keep other taxes down long term. Thank you for that question. 512-836-0590. You can submit yours as well. I got a second one here. I'm selling a home this year. Is it going to affect my Medicare premiums? Well, I don't know exactly what your income is on the year, but let's just talk about what, what creates these increased premiums. Um, at the end of the year, you're going to report your income, social security, whatever it is. 
uh, W-2 income if you're still working, that is. And um, then if you sell the house, I'm assuming you're married, you look at your cost basis in the house. So that can include things like the, the amount you paid for it years ago, all the improvements you've put into it through the years. And that stuff adds up, really does. You maybe put a wing on the bedroom or deck or a pool in. All this adds to the basis. And then as a married couple, you get a half million dollars of gains tax exempt. So you add your purchase price basis plus the 500000 and anything above that will be capital gains tax in the year. Long-term capital gains, assuming you've held the property. And in this case, you'll likely pay around 15% cap gains tax. Now, if the income's over $400,000, you'll likely be in a 20% long-term tax rate on, on that gain. But taxes aside, as a married couple, when you go over 194000 or as a single filer, you have 97000 that's when you'll see a spike in your Medicare premiums more than likely. Now, unless you're selling houses every year, chances are you'll, you'll, you'll get through another tax cycle or two and those Medicare premiums could come back down if it spikes it, obviously. But that's a great question and something to, um, to definitely be aware of when you're selling a home here. So getting back to our topics today, you know, our most successful families, I want you to have millions of dollars in the bank, but I want you to be poor on paper, poor on paper. I want you to be poor on that 1040 come April 15th. Your tax return is the paper I'm talking about today. And so one of the things that we've spent a lot of time about is, is how that income can dictate those Medicare premiums. And that's why I'm getting questions about it here today. But let's also talk about other things that the income can dictate. It's the taxation on your Social Security. It's crazy. I mean, there's the majority of Americans don't know or haven't even considered that they're going to pay tax on their benefits. Okay? True statement. Very, very hard to get under the limits to not pay tax on Social Security. And if, if you are above the limits, then 85% of your benefit is taxable. I, di I didn't say 85% tax. I said 85% of your benefits is taxable. So how low are these limits? I mean, how low are they? When it comes to single filers out there, get this, the income has to be under $32,000 for a married couple to not pay tax on Social Security. I mean, that's poverty level. If, if you want to get under it as a single filer, it's 25000 So it's really hard to get under the limits, right? However, if you plan accordingly, Think about the kind of income you're going to live on early in retirement, mid-retirement, late retirement. If you were living 100% on bank cash, that's money you've already paid tax on. There is a chance that you would not be above those limits because you'd already paid tax on that money. 
Now, you can't live on bank cash forever. You have to have investments, right, to keep up with inflation long term. But think about it. The types of income that you're going to live on in retirement dictate everything I've discussed today. So saving in a tax-diversified manner is how you get the control you seek. Because whether it's bank cash or CDs or money markets, health savings accounts, Roth IRAs, your traditional 401k, all these accounts are taxed differently. No tax, some tax, always taxed. So your Social Security and how much you're going to give back of it is dictated by your income because your income dictates the tax bracket. 512-836-0590. I am live in studio today. You can submit your calls or texts. we got Tate standing by to take your call today with all your retirement questions. And we're right up against the clock here. Let's take a quick news break. Take. We'll be right back with you. Are you retired or retiring soon? You can now personally work with Chris Herline and his team of fiduciary advisors. Book your consultation today. Call 512-249-7300. Now, back to Wealth Radio on News Radio KLBJ. Welcome back to the program. Chris Herline here in our last segment, 1147. We still have time for your calls today, 512-836-0590. Call or text. And we did have a text question come in here I wanted to get to. Um, let me take a look. We, um, Chris, what are the top Social Security claiming strategies here in 2023? Oh, man, I remember being on KLBJ about nine, ten years ago. And every caller, it seemed like, was calling in about Social Security. I have listeners, you, you've been with me for a decade on this program, you know. <laughs> we used to consider calling it the Social Security Show. I'm glad we didn't, but that, it, was, it was inundated with 45 minutes of, of calls. And I would come to, <laughs> I'd come to the table and um, I had a, an agenda and things I wanted to get out in front of you and we couldn't because your calls drive this show. But all that said, we, we were talking and educating families about the lucrative claiming strategies, file and suspend, um, restricted application. And it's fun when we, we have a client come in and because uh, I, I don't see a lot of those strategies anymore because they, they took them off the table in 2016. But it's fun to run into a family that was like, hey, I listened to you years ago. We, we took advantage of it and they're getting exponentially more money out of the social system because they put that strategy in place. Well. When, when you think about Social Security claiming today, um, there, there are very few strategies. You know, you need to decide when it makes sense for you based on your net worth, your tax bracket, your longevity, if you're married, single. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, but the, the lucrative claiming strategies that we once spoke about, um, those things are no longer. So, when I think about a, a strategy that is underutilized and not for everybody, but, but underutilized, it's what's called voluntary suspension. So this is where I'm going to give you an answer to this question here that came in. Voluntary suspension allows you to somewhat ladder your Social Security income. So 
The way Social Security works is when you take your benefit early, you can take it as early as 62, you, you get a reduction in benefits because you're, you're going to get, a, you know, it's, it's penalized because you're taking it early, but you're getting a smaller check for, for a longer period of time. That's the way you have to think about it in your retirement years. The majority of Americans, it's crazy to think, but the majority do take it at 62. Um, so when you take it early, let's say you took it for a number of reasons. Let, let's throw some scenarios out there. Let's say you, you just, your health got in the way, you had to retire and, and you need to supplement your income. So you turn it on 62. Um, another one may be you, you just, you retired at 60, you got plenty of wealth and you're like wanting to be very active and, and, and travel and spend and enjoy your wealth in the early years, you may want more income coming in. So you're like, give it to me while I'm, I'm young and healthy. Um, another may come in because you, you were working, you, you want to work, but uh, there was a forced layoff, let's say. And so you, you, had to, you had to, you know, maybe you're looking for a job right now, but you need a way to supplement. So you turn on the social, right? Well, here's the thing about turning it on early. If, if you change your mind, right, you, could, you can do that. But if you change your mind between the ages of 62 and your full retirement age, you have to pay everything back to the government. If you want to stop your benefit, you have to, you have to cut a check back. So, you know, that could be tens, tens of thousands of dollars. That's a hard check to write considering they've been taking it out of your check all these years, right? So you can suspend it, but you got to pay it all back. So not many people do it. But the strategy for some is this. You may have one spouse that has a nice benefit of their own, and they're going to defer theirs. So they're not going to take it at 62. They're going to wait, let it grow in deferral until maybe 67, 68, 70, whatever. But we want some income coming in from the social system. So one of the spouses turns on their benefit at 62. And yes, it's reduced, but now we've got income coming in. Well, that individual that turned their benefit on, when they hit their full retirement age, which is generally 66, 67 today, at that point in time, they can do what's called voluntary suspension. And because they've hit the bell, because they hit their full retirement age, they can suspend their benefit. And they don't have to pay back everything they've received over those years, the last five years in this case. Now that benefit that was reduced initially, starts growing again in, in, in deferral. And it's growing from 66, 67 to, to all the way up to 70. Not only just by deferral, but also with these large cost of living adjustments we've seen with inflation hitting the last couple of years. Well, in this scenario, let's say the other spouse now that's been in deferral, they turn their benefit on now. So we supplement the loss of the first one with a larger one now. So there's ways that we can ladder the Social Security income if there's an event that you need it or want it, but decide down the road, maybe you want to suspend it. So it's not one of these strategies where you're, you're maximizing your benefits and, you know, you're both you and your spouse are going to get the max. You, you know, that's what file and suspended. It was an amazing strategy. The government 
we, we were talking about it a lot here on KLBJ. <laughs> a lot of people were doing it and, and you know, throughout the country and, and they, they got rid of it. Um, but this is a strategy that can make sense for some families, depending on your, your work and your, your health and your, your, your income needs and all those type of things. So here's what I'll do. I want to just drop this. I've, I've got a great guide called the Social Security Decision. If, you're, if that piqued your interest, dear listener here, just, just email me, chris at wealthradio.com, chris at wealthradio.com, and I'll send you a copy of the Social Security Decision Guide where I talk about this strategy and, and some others for widow spouses and divorce spouses and all those kind of things. You can even pick it up for a friend or family member if you think that they could benefit from this. Chris at wealthradio.com. Just put Social Security Guide in the subject line. We'll be happy to... Uh, to get that over to you. So let's take another text question here. Let's see. I'll be 71st of December. Do I wait until actually 70 to file for Social Security or can I do it now? Well, keep in mind that, that after 70, your benefit does not grow in deferral anymore. So that's when, I mean, we've had people call on the show before. And they're like, oh, I'm 72, and I, I just don't need the Social Security, so I've, I've been just letting it grow in deferral. No, 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 you're leaving tons of money on the table. At 70, that, that's, that's when you got to turn it on. You don't have to, but that, you, you want to. Let's put it that way. And so congratulations on maximizing your benefit, it looks like, you know, this texture here. So what I would do is I generally say start the party. Maybe 30, 45 days in advance, Get online, log into ssa.gov, set up your account, and you can activate your benefit that way. You can set up a phone appointment if you don't want to do it online. You, you can also go into one of the offices in Austin, Georgetown, wherever. But I would say do this typically you know, 30, 45 days before your birthday so that come December, your birth date, when the benefit's no longer going to be growing in deferral, you get that check, that maximized check, as quickly as possible. Hope that helps. 512-836-0590. Today, what I've been focused on is the unconventional success of retirees who are poor on paper. <laughs> People look at me sideways when I say, I want you poor on paper. But the reason I talk about this is because your income shown on the 1040 dictates the type of retirement you're going to have, not lifestyle was, but the relationship wise with the government. And today I've shared with you that your Medicare premiums are dictated by this income. Your social security, the amount that you're going to get back every month and every year is dictated by your income. Your taxes when you sell a house or when you sell investments in your brokerage accounts, the amount of tax you're going to pay is dictated by your income and the capital gain that's created. But here's what I want to close with. One of the most powerful planning tools in the quiver is Roth conversions. This is how you start getting control of all this IRA 401k money you have. And so a lot of times our clients will be like, Chris, we've listened for years. We want to convert. And I say, listen, you're making too much money right now. You, you, we'll get you converting once you retire, right? 
once the big salary goes away. But see, if you have high income in retirement, if you're not poor on paper in retirement, then the amount of Roth conversions, that may be reduced because of what makes sense to convert. Your conversion counts as income. So the lower your income is each and every year, typically the more you can convert and still stay in reasonable tax brackets. If you're in a 32 or beyond right now, you, you likely don't want to convert as long as you can tell yourself, I'll be in tax brackets, lower tax brackets down the road. So being poor on paper gives you a lot of headroom to get the heavy lifting of the conversion work done pre-retirement or post-retirement, hopefully in these early years, pre-70s. It's been a great show today. I thank you for tuning in with me every Saturday, 11 a.m. I'm Chris Herline of Reap Financial. We'll catch you next week. If you're retired or retiring soon, tune into Wealth Radio every Saturday at 1 p.m. The following program is sponsored by Reap Financial Group, LLC. Investment advisory services provided by Reap Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm. Opinions expressed in this broadcast are provided for information purposes only and may change without prior notice. Information presented should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed and should not be construed in any way as an endorsement or inducement to invest or an offer to buy or sell any securities. The sales content should not be viewed as personalized investment advice. A professional advisor and tax professional should be consulted before making any investment decisions or implementing any of the strategies presented. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and therefore can be no assurance that any specific investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. The tax and estate planning information offered on this program is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The firm only transacts in states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.